Hello, everybody. Welcome once again. As we continue on in the study that we're doing um, through the New Testament, we're working through it a chapter at a time, and we are up to John chapter 12 this week, and we're going to look at that together. Um, John 10, 11, and 12 are sort of clumped together in that um, these three chapters uh, really talk about uh, Jesus uh, claiming his deity and letting everybody know who he is, and then the uh, we see the religious leaders not caring and just keep amping up the pressure to kill him. And so as we move into John chapter 12 now, we're six days away from the Passover and the crucifixion. And so you, you, you can get the chronology of what's taking place. And if you think about that, that so we're right at the end of Jesus' earthly ministry, um, uh, you know, while he was here in the flesh. And you have to also know that, that this is weighing on him. Because he knows, because we've already talked about the fact that he had authority to lay his life down and pick it back up again. He knows what's coming, and I think you begin to hear it uh, in this particular chapter as he begins to process the struggle of what's coming up. And uh, we see his commitment to following through with it as we read the verses together. So let's go ahead and read um, verses 1 through 50. And then we'll talk about them and we'll call it a night, all right? So if you have it there in your notes or you can open your Bibles. Bible's in the, in the rows if you want. But I will read to you. John chapter 12, verse 1 and following. Six days before the Passover, Jesus arrived at Bethany where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. Meanwhile, a large crowd of Jews found out that Jesus was there and came, not only because of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to kill Lazarus as well. For on account of him, many of the Jews were going over to Jesus and putting their faith in him. The next day, the great crowds had come for the feast, that had come for the feast, heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. And Jesus found a young donkey and sat upon it, as it is written, Do not be afraid, O daughter of Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. At first, his disciples did not understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that they had done these things to him. Now the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word. Many people, because they had heard that he had given this miraculous sign, went out to meet him. So the Pharisees said to one another, See, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. Now there were some Greeks among those who went up to worship at the feast. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, with the request. Sir, they said, 
We would like to see Jesus. Philip went to tell Andrew. Andrew and Philip in turn told Jesus. And Jesus replied, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. The man who loves his life will lose it, while the man who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My Father will honor the one who serves me. Now my heart is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No. It was for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. And then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it and will glorify it again. The crowd that was there and heard it said it had thundered. Others said an angel had spoken to him. Jesus said, this voice was for your benefit, not mine. Now is the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. But I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all men to myself. He said this to show the kind of death he was going to die. The crowd spoke up. We have heard from the law that the Christ will remain forever. So how can you say the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? Then Jesus told them, you are going to have the light just a little while longer. Walk while you have the light before darkness overtakes you. The man who walks in the dark does not know where he is going. Put your trust in the light while you have it, so that you may become sons of light. And when he had finished speaking, Jesus left and he hid himself from them. Even after Jesus had done all these miraculous signs in their presence, they still would not believe in him. This was to fulfill the word of Isaiah the prophet. Lord, who has believed our message and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For this reason, they could not believe because, as Isaiah says elsewhere, he has blinded their eyes and deadened their hearts so they can neither see with their eyes nor understand with their hearts nor turn, and I would heal them. Isaiah said this because he saw Jesus' glory and spoke about him. Yet at the same time, many, even among the leaders, believed in him. But because of the Pharisees, they would not confess their faith for fear they would be put out of the synagogue. For they loved praise from men more than praise from God. Then Jesus cried out, When a man believes in me, he does not believe in me only, but in the one who sent me. And when he looks at me, he sees the one who sent me. I have come into the world as a light, so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. As for the person who hears my words but does not keep them, I do not judge him. For I did not come to judge the world but to save it. There is a judge for the one who rejects me and does not accept my words. That very word which I spoke will condemn him at the last day. For I did not speak of my own accord, but the Father who sent me commanded me what to say and how to say it. I know that his command leads to eternal life. So whatever I say is just what the Father has told me to say. And blessed be the word of the Lord. A lot of stuff happened in there in John chapter 12. And so, as I said, we're six days before the crucifixion at this point in time, or before the Passover and then the crucifixion. And he is again making himself known uh, and, and what that looks like. And we see the same response from the religious leaders and that they are just plotting uh, all the more earnestly to have him killed. And he's, he has revealed himself to them. This whole thing about their eyes. They've, and, and what's happened is they've, they've hardened their hearts so that they can't take him in. They can't receive him. They've, they've, they've had every opportunity. 
It even says that some of them believe. You know, I'm, I'm hoping in that group, personally, that one of those that believed was Nicodemus because um, I like Nicodemus. I don't know about you, but um, we'll, we see him in John. You remember he was the one in John 3 who went sort of as a representative of the Pharisees. And, and uh, when he came, Jesus was sure to tell them that, you know, you can't get there following the law. And it's, in fact, you're being condemned by it. And, and, and that when he came, but we see him in other places. And in one of those chapters, a few chapters ago, we actually saw him sort of step up and defend Jesus. saying Because he said, you know, hey, we, we guarantee people a trial. You've already condemned him before the trial. That's not right. And he caught trouble for that. And he'll show up at the end of the book again with Joseph of Arimathea to help with the, the body of Jesus. And, and my hope is that he, he took it in and, and uh, he heard it. But they, they were so stuck that it was like they were blinded. If they had softened, they could have heard, they could have received. But, but they became so hardened, they refused to accept uh, who it was that had come. Because they, they just, it, it so undid everything that they, they thought that they missed God in action. And, and again, I'm going to say it. I've said it every week for a year and a half. <laughs> I keep saying it because I, I keep feeling it that way. We have to be so careful that we don't become like the Pharisees because it's so simple to do. It is so easy to become judgmental and critical. And, and whenever we slip there, we miss God. And, and, you know, Jesus demonstrates how much he values people. And he does it over and over and over and over again. How much value people have. And we have to, we have to grab a hold of that and make sure that's how we treat people. Um, we have to treat them as though they have value. And, and, and let them know that God loves them. Because that's what brings them into the kingdom. Pointing fingers at them and, and judging where they're at. I don't know about you, but that, has no, that would have no impact on me whatsoever. But, but being loved in makes a significant difference. And so it's, it's the, the constant struggle, and I think it's one that has to be on the forefront of the church, that we don't become like the Pharisees. Starting with a good mission and a good purpose and wanting to do good things, and then all of a sudden getting so sort of closed off to uh, how God can operate that we miss him when he comes. And so we need to be always aware of what's happening. So they were just shut down. They were blinded by what was happening. And, uh, and so we begin now the, these final preparations in the first eight verses. Um, notice now they're back at, at the house of Mary and Martha and Lazarus. And we had seen just in the previous um, chapters that, that uh, Lazarus had died and Jesus went there three or four days later and raised him from the dead. And that has really kicked off a big deal. As you can imagine... Um, uh, that's a pretty big deal. <laughs> and so they, they, there was a lot of attention, and, and there's this party over there. And, and uh, um, Mary moves into it, and, and at some point she anoints Jesus with this very expensive uh, ointment. And, and it's the beginning of the preparation of, of the end for him. And she does it as an expression of love. And yet, I, I think to me, it, it foreshadows, and it was a huge expression of love. Um, her, you know, her hair, which is a woman's glory, uh, and, and this, a year's wages of, of this perfume. It was, a, it, it, was, it was probably, you know, it was like the very best that she could, that she could give. She, she presents it as an expression of love. 
But to me, it just foreshadows the, um, the ultimate expression of love that's about to take place on the cross. And that, because um, nothing has been like it, uh, ever. And, and it's coming. And Jesus is aware that this is what's happening. And, and so all of these things now are moving into preparation. And uh, he's been telling his friends, this is what's coming, and they still haven't got it. Uh, they, they, you know, they're going to hang by him because they believe and they have faith, but they still haven't, they haven't put it together, what he keeps talking about. And, and there'll, there'll be more discussions as he, in the next few verses, uh, chapters, he's really going to prepare them for the end. And they, they never seem to fully engage in, in the process because it's so far beyond their sort of picture uh, of what's happening. But these things are, are shaping up now. And then in verses 9 through 19, that's all about the triumphal entry. And um, the triumphal entry fulfills Scripture. Uh, it's, it's one of the things that, that is, is very cool about this process. And, and the, the crowd is so excited about the arrival of Jesus that the Pharisees actually make this statement, the whole world has gone after him. That's what it feels like to the Pharisees. They feel like everything's coming undone. And I, I, I think about this because remember now the upholders of the law, the Pharisees, um, not only the Ten Commandments, but everything else that they had added. There's one in there somewhere, thou shalt not kill, right? And, and how ironic is it that those who are called to uphold the law say, not only do we need to kill Jesus, now we need to kill Lazarus too. Do you, do you get how ironic it is? Because people are coming to Jesus because of what he did with Lazarus. Let's just take them both out. That'll solve the problem. That seems like a real godly response to the issue, doesn't it? And those are the, the, you know, the, the leaders of what's taking place. Anyway, it's a fulfillment of prophecy. Zechariah 9, 9. Write it down. You can look it up later. I'll read it to you. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and having salvation, gentle, and riding on a donkey on a colt, the foal of a donkey. And in Psalm 118.26, it says, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They were, they were singing a, uh, or re- repeating a Passover psalm. That's one of the psalms that's read during the Passover Psalm 118. And they, they seem to, seems like they're making a connection with what's happening. And, and yet, and, and maybe I wonder if you've ever thought about this, because I, I've pondered on it for a long time. This crowd is, is just wild and their enthusiasm for Jesus as he enters. And yet it turns almost immediately. The crowd turns on him. And, and I often wondered, how in the world did that take place? What, what happened to the crowd that made them change so rapidly? And actually, it's in this chapter that we find out what's happening. The crowd is all whipped up into a frenzy because of the miracle of Lazarus. And they like that. And because of that, at that moment, Jesus was like a celebrity and and they were kind of celebrating his celebrity if you would they were they were in the in the midst of the ride but when he goes and begins to tell them again who he is they turn that's not what they want they don't they don't see him that way they like what he did but when he starts talking about the son of man all these things it stops and like what are you talking about in the process. And so they, they had a very shallow sort of thing based on his celebrity. And it, I, I think you can relate to it today. Um, celebrities have a pretty short run. Most of them. 
you know, they have it and it's gone and it can be gone almost like that. And, and it's, it's the same encounter. They, they liked what Jesus had done in, in, in this situation, but for many of them, it was just sort of they were caught up in the deal and they really weren't sold out for who he was and for what it really meant. And so we, we have this thing begin to turn. And then in verses 20 to 33, Jesus is struggling, as I said, with what's about to happen. He, he knows what's coming. And, and he's, he's aware that he's about to endure the cross and the shame and the humiliation. And he's going to take on the sin of the world. And, and this is coming. And he, he says in verse 27, Now my heart is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it was for this very reason I came to this hour. See, that he just talked about being the good shepherd two chapters ago, that he would lay down his life for the sheep. The time was coming, and he knew it. But it was still it was a, a, a deeply... Remember, Jesus is, is fully God, but he's fully man. He's... he's He's dealing with, the reason that he understands us is he's dealing with the stuff that we deal with. And, and, and yet he never sinned. But he's, he's going through this. I mean, imagine, if, I don't even think we can imagine. But he knew what was about to happen. And, and he, he then sort of gives some very, very important spiritual truths. In verse 24 he says, I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies... It produces many seeds. He, he's talking about what will, what will happen, that he'll surrender his life. But out of it will come life. And, and in ways that, that you know, are over the chart as he offers to us all life. Verse 25, the man who loves his life will lose it, while the man who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. That's the truth where if you really want to live, you've got to live for him. Otherwise, you'll never find life. As long as you're living for you, life will escape you. It will never pan out. It will never be what you hope it would be. And no matter how much you accomplish and how many things you manage to grab a hold of, they will always end up leaving you empty because you won't find life there. If you really want to find life, you have to lose it. You have to live for him. And that's how you find it. And in verse 26, he says, Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My Father will honor the one who serves me. We, we've been talking about this idea of service over the last couple of weeks. That, that it's, it's this whole attitude. Oh, I almost fell out of the chair. Um, that would have been a funny video. Perhaps a $10,000 selection. Because <laughs> if I could have, I'd have tried to act like I was fine. Even if, like, something was mangled and broken, I'd have tried to shake it off for five minutes. No problem. I'm good. <laughs> okay. When we serve, it breaks us out of our selfishness. Uh, and it's, it's, it's crucial. I said it on, on the weekend. I'll say it again. That you, everybody needs to be serving somewhere. And if you, if you can't think about what you're doing that, that gets you out of yourself and serves, you need to find something inside the church, outside the church, somewhere that you are giving of yourself, that you are serving others. Uh, or else we never really experience life. And then it goes on in verses 34 through 43, and the, the crowd shifts 
uh, as I talked about. And, and they, they say, you know, we have heard from the law that Christ will remain forever. So how can you say the Son of Man must be lifted up? And, and so they refuse to submit to and believe in Jesus as the Son of God, even after what he had done with Lazarus, it, it just kind of slipped away. They just let it go. I mean, they were excited about it, but now the, the rest of the process, they, they just can't get a hold of. And, and even those who did believe, they were afraid to say anything because they were afraid that they'd get kicked out of the synagogue and lose their place there. And, and so, you know, there's something about understanding how desperately we need Christ and that when we do, we, we, we need to accept him wholeheartedly for who he is. And then in the last six verses, um, Jesus addresses the crowd and it's, it's their last opportunity um, before the, the, the cross takes place, crucifixion, for them to get it. And, and it had come down to these words that he speaks to the crowd. Uh, verse 44 and following, Then Jesus cried out, When a man believes in me, he does not believe in me only, but in the one who sent me. When he looks at me, He sees the one who sent me. I have come into the world as a light so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. As for the person who hears my words but does not keep them, I do not judge him. For I did not come to judge the world but to save it. There is a judge for the one who rejects me and does not accept my words. That very word which I spoke will condemn him at the last day. For I did not speak of my own accord, but the Father who sent me commanded me what to say and how to say it. I know that his command leads to eternal life. So whatever I say is just what the Father has told me to say. What is Jesus saying in those verses? He's saying this, that he's revealing the Father and the kingdom of God. He has come to let everybody know what relationship with God looks like and what it was intended and that they had fallen off track and they had missed the mark. He told them that if you believe in Jesus, you believe in the Father. He's further stating this this claim and this connection. He says, if you believe in Jesus, you no longer live in darkness. It's, it's, we get set free in Christ from the kingdom of darkness and enter into the kingdom of light. If you don't believe in Jesus, then you reject the eternal life that is offered by the Father. If you don't believe in Jesus, you place yourself under judgment. But if you accept the living word, who is Jesus, you have eternal life. That was his, his last message to the crowds. From now on, he's going to talk to the disciples in these last few chapters. And that's pretty much it. And he leaves them with those words. And, and some believe, but many didn't. And we'll see the culmination of what happens for those who didn't as they, they come after him now uh, shortly as we get into the rest of the book of John. So that's John chapter 12. And uh, lots of stuff to think about there. But uh, we'll call it quits there. If you have prayer requests, you can pass them up to me. And I will pray for them. If you're watching by video, thanks for watching. And uh, if you need anything, you can uh, call us or email us. If you're up in Williston, hi, everybody up there. Um, They'll pray for you there if you need prayer. God bless you guys. And we'll call it a day. Barry, I don't think anybody's up there to turn that off.